Good evening, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I hope you're doing well. I hope you don't mind uh, if I get uh, probably just a smidge energetic uh, vocally over the course of this evening because this is a matter near and dear to my heart, the protection of children, of young people, and it's uh, kind of all come together as far as all that goes uh, to, I guess, tweak my outrage perhaps to the Old Testament biblical point. And so I hope that you will uh, tune in, listen in. Uh, I'll try and keep this relatively short. I'm happy to take a couple of cues at the end. But uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get in there and, uh, and make it happen, right? Okay, just going to double check everything's working technically as we start off. Oh, it's looking. Oh, it's like looking into a giant mirror of near-infinite handsomeness. All right. Okay, is this uh, is there going to be a super secret stream? Uh, no, not really. Uh, although I will say this: that um, I had a, a really good chat today with uh, the investment world is getting pretty exciting these days, and I had a good chat with some free domain listeners today, some pretty good, decent experts uh, in in their fields, and we talked about various investment things. It was a roundtable. And uh, right now, uh, you can go, if you want, freedomain.com forward slash donate. If you uh, will donate, I will, uh, I will send you a copy. I think it'll probably be a regular thing. I don't know if it'll go out to the general public, but uh, it's a very, very uh, cool thing. Hello. Hello from Windsor. Wow. Good evening, Landry. Good evening, Dante. Good evening, Leland. Good evening, Wise and Samir. Nice to have you uh, with us this evening. So, listen, I'm going to get straight into it because I know some people are eating and uh, this may not be the kind of thing that you want with your meal as well. So, for those of you who don't know, as I've posted about this a little bit today and uh, people were a little confused. So, let's sort of do a bit of background. This comes from the... This comes from... Sorry. This comes from the New York Times. A little tough to get that out sometimes. But... um, I guess even a stopped clock is right twice a day. 21 men accuse Lincoln Project co-founder of online harassment. Yeah, it's not really online harassment in my particular opinion, but this is what they say. So uh, the Lincoln Project is an anti-Trump group composed, I think, largely of Republicans. Kellyanne Conway's rather unpleasant (laughs) specimen of a husband uh, is on there. Uh, Rick Wilson is on there, John Weaver, some other dude with the dad bod, I can't remember. So John Weaver, a long time, and they were anti-Trump. I think they raised like 30 to $40 million was the sum I heard, some ungodly amount of money to oppose Trump. I guess they were used to oppose Trump, and then when Trump lost, uh, they're not that necessary to the left, so they could be taken out. So uh, even Jennifer Aniston donated to them, believe it or not. From what I've read, from what I've read. So this is from the New York... <laughs> okay, I won't do that joke too much. This is though from the New York Times. John Weaver, a longtime GOP operative who advised John McCain and John Kasich, made sexual overtures to young men, sometimes offering to help them get work in politics. John Weaver, a longtime Republican strategist and co-founder of the prominent anti-Trump group The Lincoln Project, has for years sent unsolicited and sexually provocative messages online to young men often while suggesting he could help them get work in politics, according to interviews with 21 men who received them. 
His, oh, this is the part that just gets my blood boiling. The New York Times says, his solicitations included sending messages to a 14-year-old asking questions about his body while he was still in high school and then more pointed ones after he turned 18. These messages from Mr. Weaver, 61, who helped run John McCain's presidential campaigns in 2000 and 2008 and John Kasich's in 2016, did not lead to physical encounters, except in one consensual case, and none of the men accused Mr. Weaver of unlawful conduct. Rather, many of them described feeling preyed upon by an influential older man in the field in which they wanted to work and believing they had to engage with his repeated messaging or lose a professional opportunity. Mr. Weaver sent overt sexual solicitations to at least 10 of the men and, in the most explicit messages, offered professional and personal assistance in exchange for sex. He told one man he would, quote, spoil you when we see each other, according to a message reviewed by the New York Times. Help you other times. Give advice. Cancel. Help with bills. You help me. Sensually. (sighs) I'm just skipping around in the attic here. Cole Trickle Meal was 14 when he followed Mr. Weaver on Twitter in 2015 and quickly received a direct message from him. At first, he did not think anything was amiss. He said, I remember being a 14-year-old kid interested in politics and being semi-starstruck by John Weaver engaging in a conversation with me. He's now 19. At the time, he supported the Republican Party, was a fan of Mr. Kasich, Kasich, the Ohio governor who Mr. Weaver was helping prepare to join the presidential race. But as messages kept coming, he became uncomfortable. In June 2018, Mr. Weaver asked, Are you in high school still? Referring to high school, HS. And Mr. Trickle Meal said that he was, and that he would be 18 the next spring. You look older, Mr. Weaver replied. You've gotten taller. In March 2020, when Mr. Trickle Meal was 18, Mr. Weaver wrote, I want to come to Vegas and take you to dinner and drinks and spoil you. And in a follow-up message, used a term that in sexual banter refers to one's body, Hey, my boy, resend me your stats, or I can guess if that is easier or more fun. Uh, I assume that's uh, penis length. Last year, another guy, when Cody Baltz was a recent college graduate looking for a job in politics, he replied to one of Mr. Weaver's tweets, and to his surprise received a direct message from him. After Mr. Weaver said he traveled to Chicago sometimes, they discussed meeting to talk politics. At one point, Mr. Weaver asked what Mr. Baltz did in his free time. When Mr. Brault said he ran marathons, Mr. Weaver replied, At least I know that whatever we end up doing, you could do it multiple times in a row. With a winking emoticon. It just seemed like he was exploiting his power, Mr. Braid said. He was someone very important and high up in a field I want to go into. Kyle Allen, 23, said that from 2016 to 2018, Mr. Weaver asked about his height, weight, what he was wearing, and whether he was circumcised. He also pushed repeatedly for an invitation to speak at the University of Ottawa, where Mr. Allen was studying, using sexually explicit language to express his eagerness to visit. I would try to veer the conversations towards politics, and he would always find a way to bring it back to sexual stuff, Mr. Allen said. There's more, there's more, there's more. You can look it up yourself. Uh, it's, uh, it's gross. It's hideous, and particularly the 14-year-old boy just seems absolutely... Uh, beyond the pale uh, of anything that any reasonably remotely decent human being should ever be in a billion zillion years engaged in. But uh, I wanted to bring this up, and I sort of wanted to tell you a a couple of things that people aren't talking about as far as I can see. And uh, Lincoln Project, uh, insert Lincoln 
log joke here or something about old hickory. So let's, uh, let's go on with a couple other things. So, of course, the Lincoln Project has distanced, and they tried defending him for a while, but then this story broke, and it's all over. He's uh, confessed to some stuff, uh, Weaver. And so... Now they're, one of the co-founders is saying, oh, I didn't really know the guy. We have had a couple of calls. It's like, dude, you, 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 you co-wrote an op-ed with him recently. Like this idea that, that the guy who co-founded the entire organization is barely known by anyone in the organization. Strange credulity to the point where it snaps like a twig under the foot of Godzilla or Bambi, perhaps, if you've watched the old video. But, of course, now the question is always, when did people know? And how long have they known it for, right? It's two sides of the same question, I guess. So it's a pretty big and important question. How long was this suspected? Well, if I told you, have a guess, the number of years that at least one person, Carl Rove, claims that this was known about, um, it would be an interesting question, right? If you had to guess, right? So... I'll give you sort of a hint. It was written about by The Atlantic, an accusation against this, um, John Weaver. It was written about in The Atlantic in 2004, but The Atlantic called it just a lie, scurrilous lie. It was a lie, my heavens. Who could imagine such a thing, right? The Atlantic. The Atlantic. Moral arbiter of all that is good, fine, and moral in this universe. Well, kind of covered this stuff up. So... What is that, uh, 17 years ago, 16 years ago, depending on when it was published? So you'd think, oh, that's, uh, that's barely old enough to interest John Weaver. Joke, of course. But uh, you would, in fact, be uh, closer on the mark if you said uh, north of three decades, right? North of three decades. So veteran Republican strategist Carl Rove on Monday, today, said he had known about Lincoln Project co-founder John Weaver's pattern of behavior since 1988, following a bombshell report in which Weaver was accused of sending unwanted sexually explicit messages to nearly two dozen young men. So, 33 years ago. It's been going on for 33 years. At least, at least, this behavior. So when you think of the 21 men, I think you can multiply that by approximately infinity to get the true factual number. So the Atlantic protected this who's been described as a predator, and I guess I can accept that uh, description. The founders of the Lincoln Project, George Conway, um, who his um, wife Kellyanne Conway took time off to deal with their daughter's fairly public meltdowns and breakdowns. Police have shown up with regards to the parenting, so these are not the moral arbiters of the universe. Rick Wilson, Steve Schmidt, John Weaver, and several other Trump haters. Okay, I'll get to that in a sec. So, the Lincoln Project co-founder, uh, John Weaver, uh, was in fact a paid Russian agent for the same corporation that now owns Hillary Connected Uranium One. This is something I worked on sort of years ago. And this is, I mean, it sounds like I'm talking about politics. I'm not. I'm really concerned for the, the young people, in particular the children. And there's a very sort of deep moral aspect of this that I wanted to get into because that's my primary job is it's my calling is, is as a moralist, right? Which doesn't mean the lecturing thing, just sort of pointing out the moral depths of uh, of what's occurring. So while working for Russia, John Weaver worked very hard to defeat the Trump administration. 
But don't worry, it's the Trump-Russia collusion that was the big thing. Now, why? Who knows? Who knows, right? So I don't know anything in particular about John Weaver and his history and what people have on him, but I'll just tell you the general pattern of thinking that I think a sensible person would bring to this issue, which is um, if this guy has a terrible weakness, in this case for young and perhaps even underage men, if this John Weaver has a terrible weakness, it's very easy to control him, right? This is why it's very important not to cultivate or to make sure that you try to eradicate bad habits or dangerous habits or blackmailable habits, because if you're a prominent public figure, they will almost invariably or inevitably be used to control you, which is sort of the theory behind what happened with um, Jeffrey Epstein and, and other people. So, of course, the question then would be, were any of these, uh, if this was common knowledge, that John Weaver had this uh, revolting personal uh, taste and, and habit, then it would be a relatively simple matter for any foreign government, any foreign group, uh, to do a honey trap sting operation on him or someone like him, in which case they would simply have a hot young man, um, and then they would have compromising videos and you know, the fact you know, he says now he's gay, which seems to me kind of the Kevin Spacey defense for predatory behavior. But, I mean, he has a wife and kids, John Weaver, right? So, and he's ensconced in conservative Christian um, environments. Now, the conservative Christian environment doesn't have a massive problem with homosexuality, but it does have a massive problem with infidelity. And uh, thou shalt not bear false witness seems to be a pretty important part of the Ten Commandments. Really, it's the first one, because if you lie, none of your other virtues are ever going to fit together. The first commandment of Socrates is not know thyself, but be honest, of which know thyself is just a subset. So they would have a problem with a married man consorting with an endless array, or trying to consort with an endless array of young men because of the potential for STDs, up to and including HIV or AIDS, which he could bring home to his family, uh, the possibility of blackmail, thus destroying and compromising his entire life uh, and so on. So, yeah. Did the Russians have anything on the guy? Did anyone else have anything on the guy? Does this explain some of his behaviors? I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. But that's the first thing that I would particularly think of, right? So let me just pause here for a sec, get your feedback and thoughts so far. And um, what do we got here? Everyone hates Kasich, Kasich in Ohio here. Is that right? Rhinos or lefties, hence messing with kids. Spoil me, Stefan. Mm. <laughs> I'm afraid I will only spoil you with wisdom, truth, and virtue. Uh, let's see here. That's effed up. Sick. I remember that voice from the story of your enslavement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hola, amigo. Hello, back. Kellyanne's husband. Yeah, you got to see the interview with the guy blinking and swallowing like... Uh, well, I can only think of what John Weaver would have to do to end up look, doing that, right? And let's see here. Hello, AV Scotland. Reminds me of Dennis Hastert, protected for decades, protected by foreign powers. Well, I remember Dennis Hastert, right? He was a Republican, too, if I remember rightly, and that's worth looking at. And, you know, I, I strongly suggest uh, that in no way, shape, or form do you ever look up the... Um, percentage of childhood sexual abusers who happen to be gay. Um, I don't know what the causes of all of this, but I suggest you never, ever look that up, ever. So let's uh, go on. I'll keep this one relatively short because this is where the 
you know, pretty significant passion kicks in for me. Okay, so there were people who were rabidly, insanely, ferociously anti-Trump. Oh, yeah, of course, there are people who are rabidly, insanely, ferocious anti-me. And the important thing, of course, for me at least, you know, I'm sure you have your critics out there if you're prominent or, or have any opinions at all, no matter what you do, if you hold up two hands, uh, everybody tells you uh, that it should be three somehow and screams at you. So the question is, what, why do they hate so much about Trump? Now, there's some reasons that some people are going to hate Trump that, uh, you know, the military industrial complex getting kind of thirsty out there in the desert of Trump not starting any wars and want to insert their proboscis into the jugular of the body politic and suck down the remnants of broken Iraqis or something like that or Afghanis. So there is going to be the military-industrial complex that hates him. Of course, there are people who have established power networks on the left and the right in American politics. When Trump came in, those connections, and as George Bush the Younger said about politics, it's all about access. And because I'm the president's son, George H.W. Bush, he said, uh, I can call up the phone, I can pick up the phone and get, get a hold of my dad anytime, day or night, and power is all about access. So when Trump moved in, all of the established lobbyists and power brokers and so on who'd spent decades building up their relationships with rhinos or traditional conservatives and uh, traditional Democrats, they saw all of their treasured and highly profitable relationships kind of go up in smoke. And that's why they had to get rid of Trump's first appointees and have them replaced with a wide variety of Trump, uh, swamp creatures. And I kind of parted ways with Trump when John Bolton started sniffing around and all that. So... There were some reasons to the traditional power brokers and so on to, to hate Trump and the people who'd kind of sewn up the political game that you could pendulum back and forth between the left and the right, but both sides would gain in power, money, and influence. But I tell you, man, I tell you that for me, one of the most telling things was the number of people who opposed Trump who were later revealed as sexual degenerates of the First Order. Sexual degenerates of the first order. Now, Trump went very hard after child traffickers, sex traffickers, pedophiles, pedophile rings, and so on. And that was a, a very powerful series of events. It was kind of brushed under the rug by the mainstream media for various reasons, just as this story about John Weaver was brushed under. Certainly, everybody knew about it, as far as I could tell, before the election. But, of course, they didn't want to threaten Trump's chances of being defeated by pointing out this particular characteristic of one of the co-founders of the Lincoln Project, which was a prominent and had a, a prominent anti-Trump group, which had a strange cachet because they were Republicans in theory. But I, you know, people who protect children, people who protect young people, people who reveal this kind of harassment or predation, well, there are a lot of people out there who abuse children. A lot of people out there who abuse children. Now, I know John Weaver, like he texted the guy. There's no accusation of anything illegal. So, you know, the people who are calling him a pedo, I, I disagree with. You don't want to cheapen the turn by referring to this, right? Because as far as I can tell, and from the evidence that's been presented and what's been said, and I'm no lawyer, but it doesn't seem like he did anything illegal. Whereas, of course, pedophilia is directly illegal or hepophilia is directly illegal. So, but... Um, a lot of the people who really, really hated Trump had such a personal, visceral hatred that I could only sense that it came from a certain kind of fear, a fear of exposure, a fear of pursuit. If you are somebody who harms children, 
and you are arrested, convicted, and you go to prison, well, you're not going to do very well in prison, to put it mildly. So in some ways, it can be conceived of as a death sentence, and people will fight pretty hard to keep their their life, obviously, right? So yeah, Trump worked very hard to protect kids and broke up a lot of these rings um, and uh, was did a great job with that stuff. And that has a lot of... Um, it has a lot of value to me, of course, right? Because the most important part to me is the protection of children, is the protection of, uh, of children, right? So thank you for answering my question for uh, almost. You're a mad genius. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Wow, Stefan is now on Bitwave. I am, in fact, streaming to Bitwave because, well, let's just say every ship I get to seems to have kind of a hole in it. So, yeah, Bitwave is well worth uh, checking out so you can follow me there as well evil people hate good people yeah of course of course right it's a natural uh, predator-prey relationship one way or the other and this is one reasons why one of the reasons why people hate me so much because i empower adult victims of child abuse and i tell them to confront their parents and uh, they don't have to spend time with their parents if their parents are abusive if their parents committed criminal acts against them then the parents are going to go after me full tilt boogie because i brought a huge amount of terror and anxiety into their lives by empowering and speaking truth and reason and virtue to their adult children, of course, right? This is um, pretty uh, pretty understandable. Criminals uh, get pretty aggressive when they are threatened with exposure, right? So that's kind of inevitable as far as that goes. So I want to sort of get to the deeper moral aspect of this stuff, which I find intense and fascinating, and hopefully this is somewhat in your wheelhouse as well, if you like this kind of show and so on, right? So the one thing that you will see from political consultants and uh, the political messaging that people get is that they said, you know, Trump is, is, is bad. He's a bad guy. He's an evil guy. He's harmful to democracy. He's bad for the republic. He's a, a, a narcissist. He's vainglorious. Well, all the criticisms uh, that are, are heaped upon Trump. So what these people are saying, the people at the Lincoln Project and others as well, the reporters, they're saying, we have, my God, the reason you should listen to us is that we have a near supernatural uncanny ability to sniff out evil. That's our thing. We're like a bloodhound. We are like a sommelier, uh, a sous chef. We are able to sniff out evil like a shark gets blood. We can be miles away. It can be a couple of drops. And we can sniff out evil. We can sniff out immorality. Boy, do we ever know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. That's our thing. So give us 30 to $40 million so we can keep you safe from the evil which only we can identify and fight against. Like superhero stuff, right? They're just... Evil radar is finely tuned and interstellar in its scope, reach, and depth, right? This is their thing. This is what they say. We, we have an amazing ability, an uncanny, powerful ability to sniff out and scent out immorality. Wait, what? What? The guy who co-founded the thing is preying on young, young people and asking children about their bodies? Do you, you understand? There's an old saying in the Bible, why do you complain about 
the dust in your brother's eye when you can't see the beam in your own. Because this is what they sell. They sell this uncanny ability to ferret out evil and fight it. I think the evil is coming from inside the house, guys. <laughs> this is what they're selling. We have the amazing ability to ferret out evil, and it turns out the co-founder is a pretty evil guy in many ways, right? Now, is he evil like violations of the non-aggression principle? Well, I think the sexually suggestive or whatever happened with this young man uh, and the, uh, you know, is it, you know, he engages with a 14-year-old but waits till they're 18 for things to become really explicit. Isn't that grooming? I don't know, something along those lines, right? So that's incredibly awful, repulsive, disgusting, gross, vile behavior. Now, of course, when this comes out, all of the other people at the Lincoln Project, they have to say, well, we had no idea. Of course they have to say we had no idea, right? So in other words, they, they can't find evil. They have no capacity to sniff out, scent out, identify, let alone fight evil. So all of the statements they had about Trump's the bad guy, we've got to save the republic, he's dangerous to democracy, he's a negative guy, he's a bad guy, right? is based upon the claim that they are wonderful, incredible, far better than you and I at sniffing out and fighting evil. Or negative behavior, whatever you want to call it, right? But then, of course, now they have to say, well, we had absolutely no idea that the guy we worked with and the co-founder of the entire organization was such a bad guy. We had no idea. what He's a complete blindside. had no idea. Worked with the guy in uh, years, raised tons of money with him, wrote op-eds with, co-wrote op-eds with him and all that. And, and even though there were rumors around for over 30 years, it wasn't like they must have heard the rumors. I mean, Karl Rove is not insignificant in the Republican sphere, he's a, he's a heavy hitter. He's a big swinging dick, as they used to say, right? I mean, he's a heavy hitter. He's a central guy. So the rumors were around for 33, at least 33 years. For the, for the uh, report, whatever Karl Rove was referring to, for the report to be out, it means people had been looking into it probably for a year or two beforehand. So 33-plus years. And these people who claim to be just so incredible, excellent, and powerful at sniffing out evil had no idea, even though the rumors floated around for over 30 years, that there was a bad guy in their midst. Come on. It's, it's, like, a, um, it's like a doctor saying to you that he has an uncanny ability to spot tumors. And you don't need a scan. He's just going to sniff your breath, and he'll know if there's a tumor anywhere in your body because he's really good at identifying and fighting tumors, and he's got this big giant tumor on his neck. That's like some how to get in the head and advertising second brain. I mean, that would be absurd, right? I'm so good. I'm so good at sniffing out and fighting tumors with this big, right, thing out the side of his neck, right? So the capacity to identify evil, which is the claim for most political fundraising, and this is not just these guys. I don't mean to pick on these guys at the Lincoln Project, because there were lots of Republicans out there. John McCain claimed to have a, an incredible ability to identify and ferret out evil to the point where, you know, he knew which wars needed to be waged because he was so good at figuring out who the bad guys were. So good at figuring out who the evildoers were. This guy worked with him on, what, two presidential campaigns? So John McCain knows exactly who you should bomb the shit out of 
on the other side of the world. But he has no idea that he has a kind of predator working for him to help get him elected. Do you understand what a complete lie it is that all these people say that they're so good at figuring out evil? Kasich, again, put out these, oh, we had no idea. It was completely, uh, no, no sign whatsoever. No idea. No idea. Were they not praying for God to give them the, um, the sight to see evildoers in their midst? Did God not grant them that ability? Did he not give them, did they never have any dreams about the guy? Did, when they heard the rumors, as I'm sure everyone did, you know, my God, if there's one thing that politicians like to do other than put you under house arrest for a virus, if there's one thing that politicians like to do, it's gossip. And if there's negative information about anybody else out there, this stuff spreads like wildfire. Spread. I mean, listen, I can tell you this. When I was more central to the alternative media movement, um, negative news about anyone was like, whoosh. you know, gossip, particularly negative gossip, is the one, uh, I call it the social tachyon. The tachyons are theoretical particles that travel faster than the speed of light. So gossip is the social tachyon. It's the only thing that violates Einsteinian relativity and travels faster than the speed of light. Uh, and, um, hey, I'm not immune to a little gossip myself. I don't mind a little gossip myself. In fact, sometimes it's quite pleasant. But um, the idea that uh, there was this kind of, you know, I mean, this, it's such a leftist stereotype, right, of, of the good, solid, conservative Christian who's secretly gay and propositioning young men and offering to give them career advancements in return for sex. Like, that is such a cliché and such a... And the leftists love their clichés, right? Which is all their rich-wearing monocle... Like, monocle-wearing rich caricatures that they have, right? So the idea that something highly negative about a prominent Republican, which was known well over 30 years ago, that this had not made the rounds, that just nobody knew about this. In fact, there were experiments. Some, some of the young men started saying, I've been getting some strange text messages. I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know what they said, but it was something like this. Some of the young men would go to other people in the Republican circles, and they would, be say, they would say, you know, I've been getting some kind of suggestive text messages. And they'd say, oh, their friends would say, oh, from John Weaver. Like, that's how well it was known. They didn't even need to say to anyone who it was. That's how well known it was. So all of these, this is why it's not about politics, it's about morality, right? All of these politicians who claim to rule you because they know so perfectly and wonderfully what good and evil is and how to fight evil and support the good have this kind of guy in their midst decade after decade after decade after decade and either A, knew about it and did nothing pretty much or B, didn't know about it in which case they know what evil is, but they can't fight it, or they don't even know what evil is. So the next time some politician, I don't care if he's on the left or the right, next time some politician comes to you and says, I know where the evildoers are, I'm going to fight them just. You give me the money, you give me the surrender, give me the vote, <laughs> and I'm all over this. Well, it's all, um, it's all completely ridiculous, right? It's, uh, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing, right? All right, let's just jump back here. Stefan, thanks for your discussions on morality. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Identifying evil would actually be dangerous. <laughs> really? You know that I know that, right? 
<laughs> and I've been living that for 15 years. It is. It is. Look how they allowed abortion for 48 years. Exactly where were the Republicans? Well, the Republicans were covering it up, right? The Democrats and the Republicans were covering it up. See, here's the thing, too. Like, once you get embedded a certain amount into this kind of power structure, you can't be dislodged. So let's say, I don't know what, let's say there's a guy named Bob, right? Let's just talk about Bob, because I don't know what the heck's going on with John Weaver, right? So let's say that there's a guy named Bob, and Bob has done some pretty terrible things. And he's gotten away with it for a year or two. And then Joe comes along and says, you know what? We, we got to get Bob out of here, man. Bob is just terrible. Uh, he's a terrible guy. He does terrible things. So what does Bob do? Uh, Bob immediately goes to everyone who might expose him and says, hey, man, <laughs> if I'm going down, you're all going down with me. I worked for you. I've got emails from you. I got paid by you. I told you about this. You heard about this from so-and-so. Everyone's in the know. And if you try and take me down... You're all coming down with me. Oh, look, suddenly Joe doesn't say anything, particularly if Joe has been compromised. So all of these people were compromised uh, around Bob. And trying to uproot Bob is going to cause a lot of people like Joe to get pretty angry or be exposed or be vulnerable, right? (sighs) All right. Let's see here. Republicans only want their turn to steal. Republicans will never fix the system. Oh, could be could be true. Could be true. Biden, the kid sniffer, gets the most votes in history. Well, clearly he's popular and kids don't vote. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's uh, continue on with our re-examination here, right? Now, something that I've not seen mentioned once is that John Weaver was engaging in text messages that seemed pretty inappropriate with a young man, like this 14-year-old, and then all the way up to when he was 18, where they got more explicit as far as I understand it. John Weaver has two kids of his own. I don't know anyone who's mentioned that, but it seems kind of important, don't you think? It seems kind of, shouldn't somebody go and talk to those kids to make sure everything's okay? Probably is. But it seems kind of important that this might want to be asked about, right? Um, The other thing that I wanted to mention, there's there's two two more things I wanted to mention. So there's a lot of questions in the philosophical community, the voluntarist community, around fraud, right? Is fraud a violation of the non-aggression principle and so on, right? So, again, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea about any of this stuff. I'm just telling you from a moral standpoint what I think would be interesting. So all the people who gave 30 to $40 million, I mean, I guess they got what they wanted because Trump was not reelected. But if people knew about John Weaver and hid it, And if the consequence of them hiding that was that many more people donated than otherwise would have donated, isn't that a kind of fraud? Again, I don't know legally. Morally, it would seem to me to be the case that that is a kind of fraud. So let's say that 
the Lincoln Project, if, if they knew, let's say years ago or two years ago or six months ago, if they knew about this stuff, and John Weaver's visage did vanish from all of their stuff last summer. So if they knew and continued to fundraise without telling a pretty relevant fact to their potential donors, if they continued to fundraise and they knew about or had reason to believe or had heard the rumors, and you know, in which case it's worth investigating, right? Then the question is how many people would have donated, how much money to them, had those people known the truth about John Weaver? And is the truth that hard to find? Probably not. I'm sure he's got a company cell phone. And you simply say, listen, man, it's a company cell phone. It's our property. So we need to go and look through your text messages, right? And again, I have no idea what contracts go on with these kinds of people. But in many places, when you have a moral cause, a morality clause is quite important. In Like if you do something that really harms the reputation of the organization that's immoral, doesn't necessarily have to be illegal, but is immoral. Like let's say you go to some place, what is it, Nevada, where prostitution is legal and you end up hiring a bunch of prostitutes when you're supposed to be some upright moral family guy. Well, there are morals clauses that um, can cause some pretty significant issues, right? So it seems unlikely to me that a whole bunch of conservative family-oriented Christians would donate to an organization which was co-founded by this kind of guy. It just seems slightly below (laughs) the odds of probability that these massive donations would have occurred. Now, if they knew, or if they studiously avoided knowing, in other words, they heard the rumors, there were some indications, but they didn't do anything to find out the truth or falsehood of these rumors, what is the moral status of withholding information that would almost certainly lower donations when you are soliciting donations? I don't know. Now, it seems, again, most of the people who donated just wanted to get rid of Trump for various reasons we may have talked about before. So, But it just it's interesting to me that, from a moral standpoint, it doesn't seem to be straight on the, on the up and up, right? All right, one more touch by the chatty chats here. Let's see here. (laughs) So what else here? Name three things Republicans fixed. War, no. Taxes, no. Welfare, no. Vote Libertarian Party. Well, um, the Libertarian Party has largely been invaded by left libertarians, right? So. It's the same. And, of course, it gains any success. The left libertarians will just use identity politics to destroy it. Somebody says, my daughter says hi. Well, hi back. (laughs) Very nice to meet you. There could be liability related to sexual harassment and such if they knew. LOL, Steffi took over for Turd when he got banned. Good times. I don't know what that means. Dismissal on the basis of a lack of moral turpitude? I think it is moral turpitude, so... Uh, what else we got here? Got him. Got to get to use Bitwave. What is uh, the level of responsibility for those making donations if 
Weaver's behavior was an open secret. And, oh, by the way, please uh, watch Open Secret. The uh, documentary uh, by Gabe Hoffman is a great, great documentary, a great and brave man. So there's an open secret inside the power brokers, right? So there's all the people who are the power brokers and who are professional political people. And then there's just people who donate because they believe that Trump is a bad guy and they want to donate to they're Republicans, but they believe Trump is a bad guy, so they'll donate. Right. So the rumors kind of stay within, like the rumors that I've heard about various social media personalities, which I'll take with me to my grave, the rumors I've heard you've not heard about because you weren't in that particular community for that particular period of time. So all right. Let's get to the uh, final point. Take a couple of cues and get out before the end is the end of the evening is nine. All right. Now, I remember once. Oh boy! So, for those of you who don't know, my original goal was to be in the arts, and I started. Uh, I, I wrote my first novel by the light of an alien sun. I wrote my first novel when I was eleven. And the English teacher <laughs> read it out in class, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I wrote uh, short stories, I wrote plays, I wrote poems, uh, and self-published them in high school, high school, I think it was, and then afterwards. And I took creative writing classes. I went to the National Theatre School where I studied acting and playwriting, and I produced my own play in Toronto, I directed it, and uh, wrote, uh, written, I don't know, half a dozen novels or whatever. And you can get two novels. I'll, I'll give the links to you guys. You should really check them out. Um, freedomain.com forward slash almost for a great historical novel about the rise of political violence and a, a, a modern dark comedy about the software world, which I lived in for many years. You can get that from fdrurl.com forward slash togoa, T-G-O-A, for the God of Atheists. So I was an art dude, but it's pretty hard to break into that, that field, uh, particularly novel writing, uh, even though my novels were rated enormously high uh, and, and got amazing reviews from professional reviewers, but I just wasn't able to break into it. And now, of course, I understand why in hindsight, because there were so many communists and so on that any of the anti-communist stuff that I may have had in my novels or anti-collectivist stuff would have been, I guess, like uh, sunlight to a vampire to them or like silver to a vampire, as seems to be happening economically at the moment. Anyway, so a friend of mine, ah, oh gosh, okay, three, three tiny stories, and I'll tell you why this sort of means something, right? So there was one woman who offered to get a play I'd written produced on the radio if I would have dinner at her place to go over the script, right? And, you know, I was a hot young thing, and it was pretty clear what was going on. So I I just, I think that would be so utterly repulsive uh, that uh, it would be like uh, taking a cheese grater to my forehead and uh, I just have no, no interest in that kind of stuff. Um, another time, uh, a woman uh, offered to help me get my uh, a novel published that I really wanted to get published. Uh, she was a uh, publishing agent. But again, it was, I had to go over to her place uh, uh, to to go over the novel and be sure to bring some wine and <laughs> don't wear anything too uncomfortable, <laughs> that kind of stuff, right? And again, I really, really wanted to get published, but 
I would rather go to the grave unknown than get published that way. I think that would be a sure path to uh, suicidal thoughts uh, and so on, right? And the third time was a man. Now, the third time was in between these, these two women. It was someone who knew a publisher, and the publisher was an old gay gentleman, probably in his early 60s, probably around the age that... Uh, it's funny, you know, because when I think when I was younger, I'm young, I'm middle-aged now, right? But when I was younger, you know, everybody over 50 just looked old. Now I'm going to be 55 this year. I sort of have to recalibrate what I thought was old back then. But I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and this um, this guy, um, this older man, let's call him Bob, not his real name, this older man, Bob, uh, you know, said he would be happy to sit down with me for dinner after he'd watched the first, he'd read the first chapter, somebody gave it to him, and said, oh, wonderful, wonderful, come on. And um, again, there was this this just sleazy, creepy, you know, buttering the bread while licking his lips kind of stuff that was going on, which was basically, uh, if you want to, you know, you got to go along to get along. And uh, if you want to play with the big boys, you got to lay with the big boys, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and again, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say, oh, boy, gosh, I'm such a virtuous guy because I, I resisted the temptation of that unholy offer. Um, but it wasn't that way. I just wasn't even tempted at all. Like, it wasn't even like, hmm. Could I hold my... No, no, no. Like, it wasn't anything. Like, there wasn't even the door that opened in my brain. It's just like, oh, my God. If, if, if that's what it takes to get published, like, I'll... I'll God, no. I'd, I'd rather die in complete obscurity than, than go through any of that kind of stuff, right? So when I think of someone like John Weaver, he's an old guy. I mean, early 60s, right? He's not ancient or anything like that, but he's an old guy. Um... You know, he's not going to kind of Scott Adams, rock hard, elderly abs or anything like that, right? He's He's got a dad bod, and he's got one of those, I'm not sure if it's a hair transplant, kind of half-pubic armpit thatch on his head. I don't know whether he's gone bald and has reversed it, or maybe he's on, oh gosh, what's that stuff, uh, Rogaine or something like that, which, you know, allows you to regrow hair, but also may make you infertile, if I remember rightly. I could be wrong. Check anything out that I say. But... He's just kind of a sad old guy, right? I mean, and the reason why he's a sad old guy is because, you know, he's still picking through the refuse uh, or the refusals of uh, young men. He bats very badly. Out of 22 men, he only got one physical encounter, which means that, I mean, look, if you're a young gay guy and there's a guy, a a, a pudding-bodied guy in his early 60s, come on. I mean, that's not, that's not how it's going to go. That's not how it's going to roll. I mean, the the gay community as a whole is youth and physical beauty obsessed to the point of near infinite shallowness. Um, I remember when I was in my uh, doing my master's degree and I lived in a house with a couple of gay guys and a lesbian because that's just the way it played out. And a, a, a ballet dancer came from another town to this and was just, I mean, they just tried to prey on this guy. I mean, it was just because he was very, very good-looking, very lean body, very light and all that, and very flexible. And uh, I remember him telling me just one night, like, oh, God, it's awful. You know, like, everywhere I go, they're just, you know, like, coming at me like the, like that alien with the teeth in its tongue. 
And uh, he ended up bailing going back home because he just found the gay scene just way too predatory and too invasive and intrusive. So if you're, and I don't know if these guys are gay or not. Um, it sounds like some of them are not. Maybe some of them are. It doesn't really matter to me. But when you have to start dangling and this is what kind of repulsed me about the offers, various offers I got for career advancement in return for a sex. It's, it's such a void of personality. It's such a void of soul. It's such a void of identity and a void of being that you have, in order to get a person interested in you romantically or sexually, that you have to, you know, dangle something in front of that person. Right? So... This John Weaver, he's just some sad old guy. He wants the young men. But the young men aren't going to have any interest in him because he's a sad old guy. So all he's got is to offer other people's money, right? To offer job opportunities, to offer career advancement, to offer professional mentoring or whatever, right? To offer, in a sense, other people's money in return for sexual interest. And look, everybody knows there's a stick in the carrot with this stuff, right? So everybody knows. And I knew this too. I knew that when I said no to offers of publication or artistic advancement in return for sex, that the people I said no to would not take it kindly at all. Would not take Because if you know how hungry someone is for career advancement, and I was very hungry for this kind of career advancement because I know that the novels that I wrote were amazing. So I was very hungry for that. And I also knew that the novels that I wrote would do great good in the world. So I was very hungry for that. So knowing how hungry I was, if I refused their sexual advances, they would really recognize my level of disgust at what they were doing. Because if you want something, like out of 10, right? If you want something 9.99 out of 10, but then you don't do it when someone offers you sex in return for them, it means you don't want to have sex with them at the level 10. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's even higher than, than what it is that you want. And of course, for a woman as well, for a man to say no to sex. And these women weren't unattractive or anything like that. So for, for a man to say no to sex when he desperately wants to get published and blah, 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 there's a huge amount of blowback, a huge amount of blowback that occurs when you say no. So it's not just like, well, I don't really want, I don't want to, go and be some boy toy for this guy in Vegas or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I'll just, you know, gracefully brush it off or whatever. There is always this concern, and this concern is very real. It's very, very, very real that you simply won't be able to work in that field because let's say you get a job and then you run into this guy. Now, he knows, like you run into... Um, uh, this this guy, right, um, John Weaver, you run into him at some gathering, he's going to know you, he's going to be frightened, he's going to think that you might be gossiping, and he's going to try and destroy your career. Maybe. I don't know what, if he did this or all that, but that's your fear. That's your fear or your concern, right? So it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big thing. And after uh, a bunch of times I said no for artistic advancement and return for sex, I couldn't get meetings. And uh, The same thing happened to Mira Sorvino who was in Woody Allen's Creepfest movie, Mighty Aphrodite, 
I think she she refused. Was it Weinstein or something like? She refused, and then she got blacklisted. The same thing happened to the woman who was in the Alfred Hitchcock movie The Birds. That he was pursuing her like insanely, Alfred Hitchcock, and she wouldn't. And then he got she got blacklisted for years. And I think he basically starved her out of a contract. He wouldn't work, but he wouldn't release her from a contract. And it was brutal. So, for these young men, it puts them in an almost impossible moral dilemma which is they don't want to have sex with some pudgy muffin top guy with thinning hair, even if they're gay, but they want to work in the field. He's a powerful player in the field. And if they say no to him and they get a job in a field, he might find out and he just might lay waste to them. Again, I don't know if this happened. I'm just saying this is a fear that people have. And it's a fear that has great historical precedent. So he's taking something that they really want to do, politics in this case, and he's making it a virtually impossible situation for them. And I don't know how many of them bailed out of politics or how many of them just avoided uh, him completely or whatever it is, but it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Like if, if someone rejects you and they never get into the world of politics, they can't probably do you a huge amount of harm unless they become some big reporter or something, in which case they won't because the reporters will only get hired if they're anti-Trump. But... If he's in politics and he's got the history of these salacious texts that you've sent, and again, the gay thing isn't particularly important, but the fact that he's a husband, a father, and so on, and uh, the infidelity aspect, and the it's not, and this isn't even infidelity based on any kind of love. Like you could say, there's some affair with some grand passion behind it. No, it's just hard-bodied young men that he's scrolling through. Twitter feeds like it's Tinder, right? That's pretty much seems to be his um, his approach, right? So he's just a sad old guy, and he doesn't have much to offer from a personality standpoint because he's creepy. He doesn't have much to offer from a physical standpoint because he's kind of pudgy and old. So what does he have to offer? Well, he has to offer career advancement, right? So... People are going to focus on John Weaver, and that's uh, important, but it's fundamentally a mistake. First of all, you want to focus on his kids. You want to focus on the kids that he may have had contact with over the years, and you need to find the hell out about that, right? But it's important for everyone to understand out there that he's part of an enormous system, an enormous system. And the system is all of the people who overlooked his bad behavior, his reprehensible behavior, thus giving him the power over young men and children. That's the important thing. Because the bait that he had with which to get these men's interest and attention was power. The power to give them jobs, the power to advance their careers, or perhaps, theoretically, the power to harm their careers or undermine their hopes. Now, everybody who colluded to keep this quiet, to brush this up, to, to cover this up. And, and i got to imagine there are hundreds, if not thousands of people, just my imagination, right? It's my guess. But everybody who colluded to keep this quiet was continually handing him the bait by which he would try and catch young men and possibly children. And this is how wide the moral corruption goes. This is how deep the moral corruption goes. In my business career, I probably interviewed about a thousand people. I hired about a hundred people. 
to my knowledge, and I worked with some of these people for a long time, to my knowledge, not any of them got involved in anything like this. It doesn't seem to be that hard to not co-found a company with a creep like this. It doesn't, it doesn't seem beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, how is it that it happens, right? So the entire system that colluded to keep this knowledge from people as a whole are responsible for continuing to give him the power to help and to harm. That was the only thing, pretty much, that would keep these men interested in him or that would bring these young men into his orbit to begin with. Like, if you're some young guy on Twitter, you're some young hard-bodied marathoner on Twitter, right? And some semi-pudgy, semi-bold guy in his 60s DMs you, you're not going to respond, you're not going to reply, right? Of course, you, <laughs> you know, you're not that interested, right? But, right, so the way it seemed to work was that these people would follow John Weaver. John Weaver would see that they followed him, and then he would scroll through, find the attractive ones, and start messaging them, right? But the only reason they followed him was because he had this political power or this political weight or clout or whatever, right? So all of the people who colluded to keep him in these positions of power were handing him the bait by which he tried to catch these men, these possibly boys, right? That's a pretty wide swath of corruption. And it means that they have either have no capacity to identify evil, they are cowed and bowed by evil and what it might do in response. And evil, I'm not talking about this guy in particular. Evil, I don't know. That's, it's definitely wrong. Um, full evil, that's a whole other question, right? Immorality, let's say. Let's just say immorality is probably a better way to put it. All right. So they either have no ability to identify immorality or they have no ability to fight it. Either way, everything they tell you about the power of the state to keep you safe is a lie. Because they protected this guy, I believe. They kept handing him the bait by which he went after younger people, and they openly are confessing now that they have no capacity to view, identify, and oppose immorality yet. You're supposed to give all your power over to these people because they're just so good at doing that. So, anyway, that's the major thing I wanted to mention. This is the kind of stuff that was kicking around in my, in my brain. Let's see here. What do we got here? Greetings from Costa Rica. I don't agree with all you say, but I appreciate and listen to many of your ideas. Ideas should be openly discussed. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. If it's any consolation, I don't agree with everything that uh, I say over the years. I have uh, continued to uh, <laughs> change my mind about things as more information comes along. So you rejected three free meals. Yeah, well, you see, there's no such thing as free. There's no such thing as free. Let's see here. Corrupt you, make you complicit to be part of the system. Right, right. Hey, nice to catch you. Steph, nice to catch you too. Stefan versus the big bad wolf of publishing. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is the thing too, right? I mean, this is something that men have to consider. And I didn't consider it back in the day because I was young and, and sort of naive. But, of course, uh, if you are naive, and uh, if it had been the case that this woman had invited me over for dinner, bring some wine, wear something comfortable, right? If she invited me over for dinner, and she had attempted to seduce me, and I had said no, 
well, to protect her own reputation, she might have uh, accused me of something rather untoward, and that can be unbelievably dangerous, right? That's true. Bitwave is pretty good. I have no issues with Bitwave, and I appreciate the platform. I really do. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he is not gay. He would never actually have a relationship with an adult male. He's playing out his sexual trauma. Well, I mean, that's that's a big question, right? Uh, that's a big question. The the ratio, the number of homosexual men who were sexually abused in childhood is staggering. It's absolutely staggering now. Cause and effect, who knows, right? Um, but I would imagine that there is a certain playing out of early sexual trauma. But again, because he's acted out, if this is the case, because he's acted out or people like this act out, you never find out the uh, the truth. Is morality a sign of intelligence? No, I don't think so. Um, higher IQ people do tend to be somewhat more moral, but uh, wisdom is uh, clarity in the universality of values. And that, you know, my daughter understood UPB when she was three years old. So... Uh, did the casting couch occur in the tech field as well? Oh, I imagine there are some investors who go that way. Nothing wrong with trading sex in the free market does not violate the non-aggression pact. No, I, I didn't say that it did. Uh, I didn't say that it did. But the problem is that um, somebody who believes that the only way they can have sexual interest in themselves is if they dangle opportunities and positive things to others is creating a highly stable, uh, unstable and dangerous environment for employees rife with potential legal concerns. And, uh, and it's gross. I mean, it's just really gross because there's no business in the world that says has part of its contract, oh, yeah, you can offer jobs to young men in return for sex. And the reason for that, not only is it gross and immoral, but it's economically extraordinarily inefficient, right, for obvious reasons. I mean, if um, the person that you want to hire, you want to hire in particular because of their sexual appeal to you, that probably doesn't have a very strong relationship with their actual competence in the job. So don't get dicknaffed when you're hiring people. Uh, somebody says, sorry I bailed on you for a bit. Still wondering about why you seem to trust the state and news about COVID, though. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the exam what is the example of that. So anyway, all right. Sorry, off topic, but you said Bitcoin will be in the hundreds of thousands. Do you believe it can hit a million? So um, I don't make predictions about price. I said I think it could go that high, but please make sure that you never say that I said it will be because I don't know. My particular opinion is not so much that Bitcoin is going to rise; it's that fiat currency is going to fall. Uh, have you read the Unabomber's Manifesto? I have not. I have not. All right. Uh, I'm ready to take another question or two. I heard you need to have a high IQ to empathize. So um, empathy is the result of 13 sections of the brain working together in concert to be able to effectively put yourself in somebody else's shoes and it generally relies upon a pretty significant series of well-adjusted events to occur in your very early life. So there's something called the antisocial personality disorder. And uh, it's, you know, kids who are hostile and aggressive and lack empathy and snatch and grab and fight and so on, right? And 
the literature is incredibly dismal regarding the outcomes of these children. So if you have a child diagnosed by a competent professional with an antisocial personality disorder, when they're four, say, the odds of them being well-adjusted when they're adults are virtually zero. And the odds of them becoming criminals are extraordinarily high. And, you know, trust me, psychologists and social workers and just about everybody, teachers, everybody under the sun has tried just about everything that could be conceived of to try and change the trajectory of these kinds of personality structures. And they don't know. They don't know what works. They don't know what fixes children who are broken this badly at this early an age, right? So in Ceausescu's Romania, they outlawed abortion, which meant that a bunch of women ended up dumping their kids in government daycares because they didn't want the kids and they couldn't get abortions. And I'm not talking about the ethics of abortion. I'm just talking about the consequences in a totalitarian system. And these children, they were physically cared for. They were warm enough. They had their diapers changed. They uh, had enough to eat. Uh, What they didn't have was much eye contact, human touch, cuddling, skin-to-skin contact, and so on. And when Ceausescu fell, there was, I can't remember how many, 100,000, 150,000 of these kids that were in these Romanian orphanages. And for some reason, I don't know why, but a lot of people in France took sympathy or had sympathy on these children. And they said, we will adopt them, we will take care of them, and they did. And it was a massive disaster for just about everyone involved. You had these kids throwing cats off balconies. You had these kids, they had to have their own rage rooms where they would just be put in when they would get angry. And of course, the problem is if you have a really badly adjusted child in the house, well, they're getting bigger and you're just getting older. So uh, you got you to gotta be careful. And it is really, really tough to, um, to change the trajectory of this kind of stuff. To me, it's kind of like if you really don't get enough food when you're a kid, you might grow up shorter And there's nothing you can do about that. You can't eat more later to get taller, right? That growth phase has already come and gone. All right, let's see here. Would rating the streams allow the lemons to come back? D-Life has political X-rated, etc. ratings. Um, I hope so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the the politics of of how all this stuff works is beyond me. Um, And... uh, um, so you, you can certainly try. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't mind that at all. It wouldn't be the end of the world to get lemons back here. I, I miss handing them out, too. That was kind of fun. You'd once denounced people calling COVID a hoax, but criticized state-backed mainstream media as liars. I denounced? Denounce seems like a pretty... Like, if I disagree with someone, I just... I don't know why people would necessarily go to denounced, you know, like... I stop following it, some on Twitter and suddenly I'm disavowing. Like, this is hysterical language. Just seems kind of silly to me. And um, well, COVID is a, is a real virus. I mean, it's a real virus. So I don't need me. The whole COVID thing is not a hoax as far as I can see. Also, off topic, did you see Crowder is suing Facebook? Uh, I did, in fact, see that. Uh, he, I think he took like a month off from his videos. I was kind of curious what he was doing. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's come back uh, with a vengeance, and uh, he's suing Facebook to try and figure out what's going on behind the scenes, as far as I understand it, to figure out whether they are a publisher or a platform. All right. Let's see here. Just because you can empathize doesn't mean you have to act on it. Yeah, so empathy and sympathy are not the same thing. So empathy is when you understand what somebody else feels. Sympathy is when you view that in a positive light. 
right? So if you're a woman and some creep is following you down an alley and trying to be as quiet as possible, you're empathizing. You understand that they probably want to do harm to you, right? So um, is lack of empathy somewhat associated with single motherhood? Yes, but also remember single mothers on average have an IQ in the low 90s, so that's an issue uh, as well. Uh, Bill Gates, high IQ, doesn't empathize with the masses. Yes, well, who knows what happened to Bill Gates when he was younger, and uh, didn't he also go on the one of Epstein's planes at some point or anything like that? I have never met a moral or honorable people. Humans behave due to fear of consequences. Yeah, you know, if you've never met a moral person, I'd check the mirror first, because when you start meeting moral, when you become a really moral person, as best as we can with all of our frailties, and um, uh, you generally tend up... It's like saying, I never met a fit person. Well, maybe you should go to the gym. <laughs> you might meet some fit people, right? All right. Um, uh, permanently banned from Facebook in 2017 for being pro-Second Amendment. Oh, yeah, they're going to register in for sure. Yeah, they are. They're coming. Let's see here. Denounce is a strong word, but I did perceive his position early on to be that strict as well. All right. Greetings, free domain. Well, hello, William. Very nice to uh, nice to see you, and welcome to Miss American Pie. Just followed. All right. So, yeah, I just wanted to keep this a little bit of a shorter show, but um, these are the kind of things that were rolling around in my brain. I really do appreciate, of course, everyone dropping by tonight. A great pleasure to chat and uh, have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful evening. I love you guys so much. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. And please, please check out the free books, freedomain.com forward slash almost. Start with that one. Uh, it's an uh, audio book, uh, and uh, I put all of my acting abilities and training into that, and I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, I hope that you like it. And um, yeah, again, if you go, if you donate tonight, uh, I'll uh, shoot you a copy of the uh, uh, investment roundtable that we had today uh, in the Free Domain group. And uh, I hope that you find that helpful as well. So lots of love from here. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.